This is the Talk About Wellness Podcast with your hosts and Eversight Wellness Practitioners. My name is Courtney Handelin. And I'm Tasha Schultz. Tasha, other than a fun play on words, why tacos? Well, just like a good taco has many different toppings, so does each person's path to wellness. That's right. And both tacos and wellness are customizable for each individual and with each season. And it's totally okay if it doesn't look the same as the next person's taco. Because it shouldn't. That's right. So we are excited to share our wellness knowledge and stories and tips with you in a fun, educational way. So let's taco about wellness. Here we are again today, the Taco Boat Wellness Podcast. This is episode number 29, and we are talking about heartburn and acid reflux. And we do have a returning special guest with us, Sarah Wiseman. Uh, Sarah, for those who haven't uh, maybe listened to a previous episode with you as our speaker, could you give our audience a little background on, on your education and experience and knowledge in this area? Yeah, um, thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and so I work with a lot of nutrition, which everything with the GI tract, I have a personal fascination with uh, gut health, and um, my background has been in dietetics, master's in um, human performance and nutrition, so I like some of that exercise piece as well, but um, really, really like diving into what goes on within our digestive tract so awesome yeah uh, thank you and yeah we're glad to have you back our last one was a lot of fun um so i just i'm guessing that the numbers are pretty common for you know who are is suffering from heartburn or acid reflux but is there just a poll i wonder between the three of us um i've had both have both of you also had 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 these <laughs> I, I have. I have. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's my question is, I don't know that I have. Um, how would I know? Like, how can you tell and what does that feel like? Yeah, so that's a great question. And so it's it's pretty common condition as far as GERD, GERD itself is more common, which we'll get into. But it kind of feels like pressure or um, burning sensation or a lump in your throat. Um, some people kind of mistake it for a uh, heart event or a cardiovascular event because they can get really bad chest pain, especially when laying down. So it sometimes feels like a lot of pressure in your chest. Um, some people have a lot of belching as issues too. And so sometimes it's it's a little bit different for each person, but sometimes it's kind of gross, but kind of like that after acidy burning sensation too in your esophagus, like after you've thrown up. So interesting. not always pleasant. Okay. And you mentioned a few terms, uh, maybe just for like our, our uh, I guess, defining some of these, um, heartburn, acid reflux, GERD, uh, they're different things, right? So they're not interchangeable. Um, and, and so what's the difference between like those three main things? Yeah, so acid reflux and heartburn are often used interchangeably. And so those ones can actually be um, pretty much the same kind of phenomenon. Uh, heartburn does not actually impact the heart. It just kind of feels it's in that location around the heart. So it feels like it sometimes. Um, GERD okay. is gastroesophageal reflux disease, which is a fancy word for it's like recurring heartburn that happens very frequently. Um, 
to put it in simple terms. Okay, okay. So heartburn is acid reflux then? Is that correct? Yes, okay. yes, they are the same thing. Okay. What are the symptoms that would that people could identify um, that they ha are having acid reflux, aka heartburn, or and then I guess on going into that, like how might they identify that it's more than just acid reflux and they actually might have GERD? Yeah, so acid reflux. If you're having a, a case of acid reflux, a lot of times you can have. Um, you know, that feeling like that burning sensation or a lot of pressure in your chest, um, increased uh, saliva production. So your mouth is, is watering more, um, difficulty swallowing. You can maybe belch or have a lot of burping right after, especially within an hour after you eat. That, again, that chest pain, feeling like you have that lump in your throat. In severe cases, it can kind of go radiate to the back or the neck or the jaw. GERD is when it starts happening or that that gastroesophageal reflux is when it starts happening more frequently so it's happening at least twice a week um and it's it's getting pretty moderate to severe pain with it um at least once a week or more so absolutely go see your provider if you if you're resonating with that and you're like hey that's me go see your provider because um it, it can lead to complications that aren't great basically what is happening is there is a tight ring of muscles so you have you eat and then the food goes down that tube down your food pipe called your esophagus and there's a tight ring of muscles between your esophagus and your muscle um your stomach rather and so with acid reflux that that ring of muscles is not working quite quite the way uh quite the way it should so that acid from the stomach is coming up your food type pipe and you're up into your esophagus and the esophagus is not made to handle that type of acid. If this is happening pretty frequently, it can lead to longer term damage to your esophagus, which is not good. So please go see a provider if you're having ongoing issues with it. So acid reflux, there's there's a couple different things that can happen with it. The big one is the pressure in the esophagus is supposed to be higher than the pressure in the stomach. Pressure usually flows from high concentration to low concentration, so higher pressure to lower pressure. Um, so food should be going from the higher pressure to the lower pressure in the stomach. With acid reflux, with GERD, that pressure shifts so that more of that pressure is in the stomach and going to the lower pressure in the esophagus. So food comes back up along with the acid production. A lot of the medications that are going to be there to help are going to help reduce the acid in your stomach to help prevent as much irritation in the esophagus. Some of, some of the different techniques are supposed to help with preventing that acid production. If you are really struggling with that ring of muscles really not working quite right and that pressure difference, it's it might not help very much. Certain medications are also gonna make it worse, like um, ibuprofen, um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So ibuprofen, Aleve, things like that, those can make it worse. Long-term use of these medications can lead to nutrient deficiencies like calcium, um, iron, and B12. So something else to kind of watch out for, but they can can be helpful for some people as far as just helping reduce irritation. Interesting. Okay. I wonder, um, well, I guess, you know, obviously for in tandem with medication, but also you know, for the person who's listening, who can identify with some of this stuff, or maybe knows that they have GERD, but they're not doing any medications. Is there anything 
naturally that someone could do to help prevent the symptoms or maybe prevent a flare-up, whether it's like a habit or routine or foods to avoid or foods to make sure they're having? Yeah, there is a ton that you can do. Um, As far as big, kind of the big generic lifestyle changes, smoking is a huge risk factor. Um, Tobacco use is a huge risk factor for acid reflux and for GERD. Um, It can, one, it can can change that pressure difference and make it so that food's more likely to come back up. It kind of weakens that ring of muscles. Um, nicotine can um, decrease that pressure in and of itself. So it's not just cigarettes; it's also smokeless tobacco, any kind of any kind of nicotine product. Wow! Um, wow! Sorry, that yeah. that's. I mean, I, it it makes sense. It sh- probably shouldn't be that surprising, but it is still surprising to me that that would have yeah. an impact. Yeah, and part of the reason that your saliva increases too is because saliva helps neutralize some of the acid so that your um, your esophagus stays more protect- protected. Smoking nicotine actually reduces how much saliva you produce as well, so it's causing more irritation in the esophagus. So huge one is stopping tobacco, um, tobacco use period. Uh, large meals, large meals can really irritate it too. So if you're having a big large meals, uh, you know, common American diet, I'm sure you guys have seen it a ton too. People don't eat much for breakfast, don't eat much for lunch have a nice big dinner. Large dinners, especially people tend to have more issues at nighttime with GERD and acid reflux and can lead to issues sleeping. But that creates a large volume of food in your stomach, which again, that's going to increase the amount of pressure in your stomach, making it more likely to come back up. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And uh, sorry, Sarah, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. I think that's just no, really directly connected to a lot of the conversations that Courtney and I um, have in health coaching and that we've referenced on a few of our um, you know, previous episodes on just how to make healthier changes. And like you said, Sarah, so many people, it's custom here to have those big dinners. And that's really the opposite of how it should be. Like dinner should be the smallest meal of the day because it's so late in the evening. Um, so so what better motivation to do that too um, than yeah to avoid some of these symptoms? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's a huge thing. Small, frequent meals throughout the day is really the way to go, especially um, if you're trying to prevent acid reflux symptoms and, and trying to eat eat and chew your food thoroughly. Um, I, I like to tell some of my patients with acid reflux, you know, anything your teeth doesn't chew up, like if you're not chewing it up with your teeth, now your stomach has to try to break that down. Sure. And it'll you know, increase acid to try to break that down now. Really great thinking about it yeah i was just gonna throw in the um off of what you're saying tasha the you know that we tend to have dinner be our biggest meal and a lot of people that i work with the struggle is that that's the meal you know where the family all comes together so it's hard for them to cut that out or and it's hard for it not to be such a focal point but i personally have started making that you know like that's been my smaller meal um it's obviously easier when there's not like families to feed, uh, little mouths to feed. But I find that even when there is, if I just focus on the vegetables and make sure that I'm taking smaller portions and and thinking of it as like, I'm cooking this meal, like we're having this meal tonight, but most of, most of my point for making it and preparing it for myself um, is that this is gonna be my lunch tomorrow. So I'll eat a smaller bit of it at night with dinner with my family. And then I take 
the majority of a bigger portion of it, I guess I should say, uh, for my lunch the next day. And that really seems to be a good balance for enjoying the meal with my family, but having a having it be a small a small part of my day. Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. I think go ahead, Sarah, were you gonna add to that? Oh no, I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean enjoying time with your family, but enjoying with smaller portions. That's perfect. Exactly. Yeah, definitely still eat your dinner, but, but um, you know, we, we always encourage, like, we'll rearrange, like, plan ahead. It's going to take some planning and some some effort um, in advance, but like you said, Courtney, bringing food to work or just really first off making time to eat at work, which we hear is a common um, challenge for a lot, of, a lot of people that we work with is they just simply don't have time, they're too busy, um, or they're just not able to really relax and enjoy um, because they're at work, so they just, you know, don't really get joy or take time to eat, so they get home and it's sort of this symbolic, like you said, coming together, relaxation, winding down um, at the end of the day and, and um, you know, feeling it feeling like you can um, enjoy being at home and and like we've talked about before we're emotional creatures right like we we eat when we're happy we eat when we're stressed you know list an emotion and we eat because of it but um, kind of you know just getting ahead of that and setting ourselves up for success so that we um, you know maybe can eat more throughout the day like you said small meals bring leftovers to work for lunch um, so that when we get home we're not quite as hungry it's easier then to eat smaller portions but of course still have that time um sitting down with our with our loved ones yeah yeah that's i mean that's great advice there too and that's it's really going to help again like you said with acid reflux um symptoms uh in addition to a bunch of whole other huge amount of things like weight management which is another risk factor for acid reflux and um, GERD as well. Uh, again, you have more pressure around the abdomen area, which is going to push more food back up. And so simple tricks like that can help with weight management without necessarily thinking about trying to lose weight. So, so yeah, can, can exactly. I ask, Go ahead, Courtney. Sorry, I was just thinking of how the, the weight management thing and um, – when I was pregnant, both my pregnancies, I had a ton of heartburn. Um, is that a is that a is that a pressure related thing, or is that a hormonal thing, or maybe both? It's a, it could be a bit of both. Um, there are certain hormones uh, that are associated with um, increased pressure, so the hormones themselves can actually change the pressure difference. But then also, that's also more abdomen pressure. So pregnancy is actually a common condition that's associated with, um, I mean, pregnancy is wonderful, but it's also commonly associated with acid reflux and heartburn because of that. You have that increased pressure, so it's the baby's pushing on your stomach and pushing on everything and pushing the food back up. That's a great question, Courtney. I've heard that quite a bit from, from people, too, from some of the the women in my life that I've talked to and, and worked with, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, my last question for you is kind of, you know, on the topic of food and, and eating for optimal health and well-being, um, are there any foods that we should avoid? I know we kind of mentioned a couple potential triggers earlier, but any um, just known culprits of food that 
that can contribute to more um, acidic, you know, acid reflux and heartburn. Yeah, so um, certain foods are associated with increasing that pressure in the stomach, which it's kind of weird for some of them. High fat foods are a big culprit, so fried foods, um, high fat pastry products like croissants and things like that, bacon, um, high fat meats can be pretty problematic for a lot of people. Um, chocolate, unfortunately, is a big culprit for a lot of people. Um, but then also spearmint and peppermint are odd ones. So if you have them in a mint, like a, a little oral um, hard candy, it can sometimes be better tolerated, but that can be a big um, culprit for increasing pressure. So if you're having like mint tea or spearmint tea, um, that can, can cause problems. Coffee decaffeinated or caffeinated as well as tea decaffeinated, ca uh, caffeinated, they have a specific kind of chemical in there that can cause problems for a lot of people um, and increase acid. Um, that can that can cause problems. Um, alcohol can cause problems for a good a bit of people too. So just kind of knowing and kind of watching your alcohol content, especially before going to bed. I mean, knowing your risk times is, and bedtime tends to be a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, can you, Sarah, could you back up for a hot second? What, and yeah. would you be able to shed a little bit more light as to why high fat foods and then I guess chocolate, why do those increase your likelihood for symptoms or flare-ups? So I'm not entirely sure why. I think fat tends to be a harder food harder to, digest to digest for yeah. people. Okay. So that's, that's um, the biggest uh, reason, I think, but it tends to increase. Those foods tend to increase the pressure in the stomach for whatever reason. So it's creating that pressure difference again. Okay, that makes Some sense. Some foods like, yeah, alcohol and those Decaf and caffeinated coffee and tea can increase the acid in the stomach. Pepper is another one that can increase the acid in the stomach, too. And I'm thinking with all of these, it's probably a, very much like an individual, you know, per individual yeah. basis and also per like amount that you consume. So it's really important to be a good observer yeah. with how, how that interacts with your body and maybe like the stress that you have in your life or lack of sleep, because those probably make everything extra irritable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are other great points. I mean, stress is really going to complicate things. There's actually some, um, like deep breathing can actually help strengthen that, that ring of muscles between the esophagus and the stomach, too. Wow. And help wow. with that pressure. So another huge reason to do muscle um, muscle relaxation techniques, deep breathing, stress management techniques I... just to help with management. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, I knew that stress management helps and, you know, the stress is your stress is really linked to your gut and your brain. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I never would have thought to put it together that like the deep breathing can help strengthen those muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of simple things and it's kind of random, but yeah, it's those can, it really has an impact on your whole body. I mean, there is a gut brain connection legitimately. So what impacts your, your mood can impact your stomach, but your stress can certainly impact your acid reflux and managing it well can help improve your symptoms and outcomes, so. Absolutely, well said. Um, Courtney, do you have any other questions? And I'm, I'm just trying to think if there's yeah. anything yeah, I was... that was left um, unanswered for me. I, yeah, I don't have anything else I can think of. Sarah, you did such a great job, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I just have one one other thing, and I don't know if this is um, 
if there's actually a thing, but are there any foods that can help to prevent or reduce symptoms? Yeah, so hard candies and chewing gum um, can actually help increase saliva production and oh, help sure. neutralize some of that acid if somebody's having like, I mean, if you're having an active bout of acid reflux and you're actively having a case of acid reflux, having some of that on hand can help reduce some of, kind of neutralize that acid and help relieve some of your symptoms. So those can be really helpful too. Would staying well hydrated, I mean, I'm guessing staying well hydrated probably helps with the the uh, saliva. Yeah, so staying well hydrated and drinking in between your meals, because if you have a lot to drink at your meal, it can actually increase how much volume you have in your stomach and kind of make symptoms worse. So that's that's another thing to kind of watch out for. Um, if you're having a hard time sleeping at night too, trying to um, keep your head and chest elevated. So some people just try to put a bunch of pillows under their head. You really want to get your chest elevated too, so that gravity is kind of working for you and helping you and staying. Sometimes it's just positioning and making sure you're not bending over or staying sitting upright while you're eating so that you're not increasing pressure through bending or lifting or laying down. You, you, you want to try to help gravity work with you too. Okay. That, I wonder if any of that has to do with the old saying, you know, when you, when we were kids, if you would, you were at the pool and you'd stop to eat lunch and your your mom would be like, no, you got to wait yeah. 10 minutes before you go swimming. Let, let the food digest. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Maybe the, I mean, I can think too, it makes sense. It, I'm sure it was for multiple reasons, but I just think to a time, like if you're eating real quick on the run and then you stop to like pick up something on the ground, sometimes you can feel that little bit of like, you know, reflux um happening i've had a, a child do the same I'm like mom it feels like yucky stuff just came up my throat I'm like well that's why you should sit down when you're eating and not run around <laughs> yeah yeah okay i well, love that your digestive tract is good yeah not have it go in 50 places at once <laughs> <laughs> right good motive uh good prescriptive motive for um, sitting down and, and eating slowly and relaxing while you're eating. Um, awesome. I don't know, Sarah, is there anything else that we didn't bring up, bring up that you think our audience really should know? Just, it's really good. Like you mentioned before, it's going to be individualized. So keeping a food journal of what foods you eat and when, when you have bad symptoms, sometimes it's the amount you have of certain foods. So you can maybe get away with you know, a little bit of fat, but then you start having a little bit more and that starts to cause problems. So kind of knowing for yourself, keeping track of it in a food journal can be really helpful just to help manage your individual care. And, and again, talking to your provider openly about some of your concerns and um, if it's happening kind of an unbearable amount, making sure you let them know and help have them help you walk through what you can do. Yeah, I, I really like the food journal and taking time to observe. I think that, <laughs> I think if we all were a little bit more thoughtful about how food made us feel and took time to pay attention to that, we would all have an easier time eating healthier, especially if we took time to think before we were gonna stop at McDonald's per se, about like, okay, if I choose to get this and this, I'm probably gonna feel 
pretty crummy, or if I go with that instead, or maybe stop at this other place instead, then I'll feel okay. Um, I think that would prevent a lot of uh, decisions we regret <laughs> if yeah. we based it on how, how it's going to make a, our body feel afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this, I think, has been a, a helpful episode here. Thanks so much, Sarah. And for anyone listening who is hoping to dive in more and get a little bit more information, um, maybe also more of a visual, uh, Sarah is doing a webinar on Thursday, July 14th. That is at noon central or 1 p.m. Eastern, um, coping with heartburn and acid reflux. Um, so we will have a link to register for that in the show notes. And also after the webinar, happens, the link will take you to the recording. So if you want a visual or want to maybe hear what else Sarah has to say about heartburn and acid reflux and GERD, um, be sure to check that out. Other than that, I think that's that's a wrap, right, ladies? I think so. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sarah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, see you next time. I'm so glad we got to talk about wellness today, Tasha, and thanks to our audience for joining us. If you have any questions from today's episode or a myth you'd like us to bust, send us an email. For our Wellness Center participants, if you'd like to dive in deeper on anything we discussed today, give us a call or an email and we'll schedule a coaching appointment. Everyone can find us on YouTube and Facebook at Waukesha Employee Health and Wellness. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from so you never miss an episode. Join us on the first Tuesday of every month for Taco Tuesday. Until then, bye everyone.